Welcome to the Elevate Your Equity podcast, where we, as married busy professionals, leverage real estate investing to unlock the three plus one degrees of freedom, health, location, time, and financial. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Elevate Your Equity podcast. This is Derek Clifford, and I'm here with my wife, Sophie. And today we're going to be breaking down the podcast episode that we had with Aaron Wong. And we have some takeaways from this conversation like we do with every other one. And the very first takeaway that we've got is that power couples usually take on the form of visionary and integrator to balance out the day-to-day and the high-level needs. And I can't say that there's any other arrangement that's worked out really well for us other than this arrangement. Sophie is the visionary in the relationship. She helps Phil like basically create the business ideas and then think about growth and create a team and then also attract other people into the business. So without her, there would be no way that we could do any of the things that we do. And then for me, uh, I'm usually the face of the brand or I'm the person that's out there underwriting properties, talking with people and basically trying to execute the plan that we've both put together. But generally, Sophie has the big vision for. So anytime there's a conflict of interest or I'm, I'm talking about a big decision, I usually consult Sophie. Like today, we were talking about funds and setting up funds and getting all that great stuff uh, going. And so I think that's a really important part of a business relationship. Yeah, thank you. I think, like I say, I think he always gives me too much credit because it's, I feel like it's always easy to have the lofty ideas. It's almost, it almost feels like the, the air and the ground game, right? Where mm. it's like, it's nice because Derek kind of pulls me back to the ground, but I feel that I can help elevate and help you see like the higher level picture. Possibilities. So the possibilities. Absolutely. Because Oftentimes, you know, when you have two personalities and we've spoken to a lot of couples, when the couples that seem the most successful are the ones that integrate on the visionary integrator level. And it's such a nice combination. We say this so many times, the gas and the brakes, like you have to have the yin and the yang, the both dynamic and even the polarity, but it's the integration of the, the seemingly polar opposites that make for such a successful balance. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And I I think that that's an important thing to remember for everyone is that even if your spouse or, you you know, if your spouse or whoever your partner is, is working with you has a different perspective, that's a strength, you know, you've got to tap into that and use that. So whatever that looks like, just having the conversation of around constructive comments in posit within the frame or context of positivity, you would be so surprised as to what you can accomplish. And then you never know who's the visionary and who's the integrator in the relationship until you start hashing it out and talking about who likes to do what, you know, and, and what role makes sense and what you feel invigorated doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why we've kind of naturally moved into these roles. And I think we both have a little bit of integrator and a little bit of visionary in us uh, mm-hmm. as well. So I think it just yeah. depends on the context, mm-hmm. but because now I think we've kind of rubbed off on each other and we have a little bit of each, it's a little bit easier to transition. So when I feel like two in the weeds, then Derek can help pull me back out and say, Hey, this is the bigger um, vision that we're moving towards. Right. Yeah. Love it. It's, it's a great thing to have in terms of power couples. And so highly recommended that 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 works. All right. Second takeaway that we had is that most active investors that I know are actively trying to get over into the passive side, including us. I mentioned in the podcast that 
truth be told, if we had the choice and if we had the cash, we would be taking all of our money and being a passive investor, and you wouldn't even see us on this podcast. <laughs> of course, we love to be able to create value and, and add value to everyone else. But you know, for us to be able to invest passively in other syndications and deals uh, really unlocks a lot of freedom because you know a lot of people, your partners are doing most of the work and you're deploying the capital for them to get it to work. So I think that if we could do that, that would be fantastic. That was one of the things that most active investors want to be passive. And a lot of them are in the process of converting over from active to passive. So there's always this in and out scene of operators who are going full cycle and then not doing deals anymore because they're investing in their buddies, right? So that's something to consider as well. Number three, we talked a lot about underwriting in this podcast and underwriting is the main cornerstone of a business plan. Aaron recommended that you start with the market first to figure out whether or not what type of objective you're going for. Are you going for cash flow or appreciation? And that will help inform what type of market and criteria that you're looking for. What size property you're looking for? How much cash do you have? Those types of things, right? What is the clear image of what you want in order to achieve your financial or your, your lifestyle goals? And then after you have those things solidified, start working on your business approach. Are you going to look for a value add property, something that needs a lot of work up front? Or are you going to look for something that's already stable and you're just going to pick it up and then just continue running it as a successful investment? Okay. And this underwriting approach makes a difference in the world. And all of this is the underwriting approach, the market criteria and the business plan, all that is wrapped up inside. That's why it's so important. And fourth, underwriting is an art form, right? Basically a pure expression of what the sponsor is thinking about the deal, right? Some sponsors will embellish some numbers or they'll put in some very liberal or loose assumptions. And that says something about the operator, right? So if they're making these grandiose promises and then they have a history of not meeting those promises, that's a big red flag, right? And that's why we say that the underwriting and the business plan says a lot about the sponsor. I know that Sophie has been recently looking more into underwriting just because it's a, it's a fascination to figure out whether or not we're going to be buying a property or not. But I know that like we've gone over a few things as we learn here together, this process where all you got to do is tweak one number and all of the returns just completely change. So it's very easy for you to, to have a property be perceived as going to be successful versus what it actually will do and what's realistic. Mm-hmm. And There's something to be said about the art form of underwriting in terms of looking at it as a story. I think that's Mm -hmm. when I would see Derek in front of the computer, in front of his spreadsheets, you know, my eyes would glaze over my brain. Again, there's a story around my brain, not wanting to Mm -hmm. work that way or, you know, whatever the story we create for ourselves that I'm not good at numbers or I'm not analytical. But when Derek told me, well, look at the numbers, like you said, it's an expression of the deal. It's, it's actually a the story of the building itself, the story form that we use to share with our future investors. And that I think that's a really key factor in making sure that we create integrity, that we show our investors what a good deal it could be and what the potential could be there. So I think, like you said, I'm actually am getting deeper into learning how to underwrite. And it's fascinating because there's so many ways like like you said about the sponsor being able to change the perception of how good a deal it is. So I think everyone needs to be able to underwrite, 
even if you're a limited partner or a silent partner, yeah. like it's mm-hmm. really important. It's a worthwhile time investment in your education and learning how to do this. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's also very prudent of you to be able to protect your investment by asking questions and having some basic underwriting skills to understand what the investment is supposed to do. I know that like, you know, we're investing to be passive, but if you can just be a little bit active, it's going to really help you out in the long run to, to get a, an effective property. So that leads me to the next point, which is point number five. As a limited partner, you can and should reach out to property managers in the area that you're looking to buy and ask if the rents in the underwriting that the sponsor is assuming is reasonable. This is just one example of you just making a spot check basically on the sponsor's business plan. There's a lot there, right? And any terminology that you recognize, if you can check that basically, check that assumption somehow by going straight to the source or someone that isn't involved and saying, hey, does this look right? Right? Like, you know, these rents look to be like 1500 bucks. That seems really high. Does that really make sense? And if a property manager tells you there's no way you're going to get that, then that is a problem, right? Because that's something that most likely um, there's no reason for them to lie. And there's most likely a reason that they're trying to push up some of the numbers inside the pro forma. And again, that reflects back on the sponsor, right? When you're making these really loose assumptions and you don't even know it, right? And so that's why we encourage people to get some basic underwriting skills, which just starts with net operating income, cap rate, and debt. That's all that you really need on this. So hopefully that, that helps with that one. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention is that Sophie kind of touched on this before, and it's a really big point that bears and is worth repeating, is that the underwriting is a benchmark for how the property is supposed to perform, right? It's supposed to set the standard for what the trends are going to be. And a couple of years into the investment, you can start to see whether or not those trends are being met or they're starting to deviate from the business plan. And so it's really important that over time you review the business plan and make sure that the returns that you're getting are matching what the pro forma said they were, because otherwise, how do you know whether or not this was a good investment? You know, you're going to continue to get cash flow, And unless you're actually looking at what the original plan was, can't really tell whether or not it's worthwhile for you for the money. So that's something that I would, I would say. And again, it feeds back into the operator's integrity, whether or not what they say or they intend to do is conservative so that they can easily beat that, right? Of course, nothing is a guarantee, right? You have these black swan events that happen all the time, like COVID uh, or a war <laughs> that just randomly broke out, you know, over the last month or so. So those are things that you can't predict, but for the things that you can, that's what you should be looking for the business plan to help underpin all of that. That being said, I don't know if you have any other comments to that, but underwriting is what it is. Yeah, that was well summarized. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, the underwriting plan is what it is. And as long as you can follow it loosely and understand what assumptions are being made and also know the sponsor and know the sponsor's perspective in creating the business plan, then I think you'll be in good shape. So That was some of the top takeaways. If you want to hear more from the guests, from Aaron about this, you got to go back and listen to the podcast episode because he has a lot more wisdom there where that came from. So we hope that you enjoyed that. And if you enjoyed this content, we hope that you will like, subscribe, thumbs up, engage with us, and then maybe leave a rating or review wherever you're listening or watching this podcast, because we want to be able to reach more people. And uh, we hope that you enjoy this. And we also want to mention too, that we have a Facebook group that's open every week uh, where we bring people in. It's called the Elevate Equity Tribe. And we invite anyone to come in and talk with us about and mastermind about real estate topics, budgeting, 
personal development, relationships, anything like that. We bring in some experts to talk with us as well. And so we're just excited to see you there and be active and engaged with the rest of the community. And it's totally free. So we hope that you guys will join us over there. So I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening in. And this is Derek. And this is Sophie. We're signing off. Thank you guys.